right, you geeks, welcome into the Echo Screen, the official podcast of the Clan of the Gray Wolf. As always, I am your host, the Commodore, and uh, Rue is still learning how to count down, but he's still joining me. Rue, how are you doing this fine evening? Snowpocalypse, Linsanity, Patriots win in the Super Bowl again and again. And we're only and we're only five minutes late and again. So, on top of all that. It's good to be here with you folks. That's too Welcome bad. to it's the Echo bad. Screen, as I said before. We are going to talk tonight about something. You know, we're, we're kind of, we get pigeonholed into that whole nostalgia corner of the of the internet. I don't know if, you, if you're aware of this, Rue. That's kind of how people group us. You know, we, we look at old, you know, like the old games and stuff like the retro games. And losers. Who would do that? Losers. Yeah, who, who does that, right? Well, people that are kind of nostalgic in nature. Tonight... We are going to see what of those things that we love when we were kids is actually just the result of nostalgia goggles, or if any of that stuff was worth a damn. Mm-hmm. And you know we're going to be talking about Crystal Pepsi, so stay tuned. We're going to be, we you, we tipped it, if you watched it last time, you know we're going to be talking about Crystal Pepsi, so that's going to happen. And maybe some Dr. Smooth. Uh, and maybe even some Dr. Smooth, although uh, we, we did have confirmation from a, from a friend of a friend on Twitter since last show that the Dr. Smooth is not indeed still sold in Canada. Damn it, Canada. So uh, we will not be importing any Dr. Smooth. <laughs> You're useless soon. yet again. Yes. What have you done for me lately? Or ever, for that matter. Um, I don't say the Death Star. <laughs> Close. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah. So we're going to get to that. But as we always do, we begin the program with a few news and notes. And, and I think we're going we're gonna to try our damnedest in 2016 to limit the constant cross chatter of the news and notes portion of the program because we feel like that's kind of exploded. Um, so we can focus more on the topic du jour, uh, as we said, which today happens to be our nostalgia goggles. So let's, let's, let's go in with our new streamlined news and notes format. Ciao. Ciao. There, it was done. I hope you got it. You missed it otherwise. All right, um, so I am going to talk about all the people that are dying. <laughs> all the dead people. Wah, wah. Happy News Day. So, seriously, though, you know, I tweeted about this. I, I, I David Bowie, uh, uh, which, you know, I mean, I'm, I can't tell you that I follow, like, David Bowie on a daily basis because I, I haven't. But I don't remember there being any kind of announcement of him having cancer or any of these kinds of things. And Yeah, I don't remember that at all. And he is one of those people that kind of just you just feel like is going to live forever. He's not he's not a person that you just, you know, like how how is Keith Richards still alive? Right. Magic and drugs. Yeah. It's got to be magic or, or pirate magic, maybe uh, Johnny Depp pirate magic. But he's still alive. And now David Bowie is dead. And that to me is very, very sad. But within the last what week, we've lost Glenn Fry, We've lost Alan Rickman. We've lost. David Bowie, um, uh, Natalie Cole. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, uh, man, the list goes on. But it just seems like these things kind of come in, in little packs. and, and uh, Of course, that's what people I, I, you know, look for, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Once, uh, uh, once a big uh, death happens. so out of, that, out of that grouping, who would you miss the most? Well, me personally. I mean, I, I, mean, I respected David Bowie. I was never ridiculously into him. But Alan Rickman... Uh, uh, you know, that's like the one person I can actually do a, uh, uh an impression of. Um, oh, I feel an impression coming <clears> in. <throat> Mr. Potter. 
Yeah, you want to know what's funny? Um, By Gromthaw's hammer. People look at Alan Rickman and they immediately turn to Harry Potter. What I don't do that. I, now I think I think we all, I only watched like two of the Harry Potter movies. What what is wrong with you? I got a lot oh, of feedback sure. after the last episode from people I work with who are like, "This guy you do this this podcast thing with is he is he insane? It's does yes. he have does he have brain problems? I am I am insane. <laughs> I never really got into Harry Potter though, and and I uh, so I don't think of uh, Harry Potter when I think Alan Rickman. I think of uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, because he played the definitive Sheriff of Nottingham in that movie. Oh, that's true. And he hammed up the crap out of that. That's oh, my God. I got to watch that like, again. Uh, I, you know what? I caught the tail end of it the because like, they're, they're, all the channels are playing all these Alan Rickman movies. And uh, I caught the tail end of the, the ending of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves the other day. And I just went, oh, my God. He is brilliant mm-hmm. in this role. Like Kevin Costner really can't do a British accent and is trying really hard. Alan Rickman is a great actor who's trying really hard to ham it up for a worthless movie. He is like Jeremy Irons in Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, that Just is like exactly what I was giant, thinking. Grabbing giant pieces of scenery and chewing into it. It's delicious. Yeah. <laughs> it's, he's insane. He's insane. But that his the, the Alan Rickman Sheriff of Nottingham will live on forever. Yeah. Um, so, one of my um, favorites is uh, I watched the other day it was Galaxy Quest which mm. is just, like it's hilarious I I, ha- I have not gone to a um, Star Trek convention and I have gone to Star Trek conventions quite a few but I haven't gone in something like a decade and yeah. uh, but it's funny though is that like anytime uh, people would ask like it would almost eventually come up at some point uh, whenever people were doing their like Q&A sessions like actors from the shows uh-huh. Star Trek shows and people would be like oh what do you think of Galaxy Quest and almost universally they would be like uh, it's way too true to life and also the best Star Trek movie ever made. <laughs> so, wow, that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah, like it's that. just like the, the actors loved it, which probably shows you the cachet behind it. It's just like hilarious. Um, anyway, but that's that's also a wonderful, wonderful movie. Yeah. So so uh, so, you know, farewell. Uh, all of all of the departed, uh, particularly our our our. Our friends David Bowie and Alan Rickman, who will be sorely, sorely missed. Mm-hmm. All right, have you figured out something you want to talk about yet, or or should I make another one up? Man, I still got nothing. You got anything? Else? So I, I, I came completely I, I unprepared something. with so news. Here, somebody in the like in the bits, uh, in the chat. Here, here's here's where we can do a little sanity check on yours truly, and I, I'd love to know what you think about this. So uh, someone mentioned this. Uh, let's see, it's Mogo in the chat. I listened to a podcast where Kevin Smith mm-hmm. told a very touching story about Alan Rickman. Now. I don't know. I just recently watched, and I barely stayed awake for it, the documentary about the Kevin Smith written Nicolas Cage Superman movie. Oh, Making a Murderer. Yes. No, not Making a Murderer. Oh. Uh, Making a Superman Murderer. Oh. Um, Wait, there's a, 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 I've heard him tell the story before, but there's a... A, it's called like the death of Superman Lives, I think, because it would, the name of the movie is Superman Lives. There's an actual whatchamacallit about it? It's a documentary. Documentary? It's, 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 yeah, it's fairly recent. I'd oh. say within the last year. It came Man, out. Netflix has tons of original programming now. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Right, well, anyway, that, you're, you're right. Not anyway. what I was going for here. Oh, sorry. Here's, here's, so Kevin Smith was hired to write the first iteration of the Superman movie. He did. It was terrible. <laughs> they, they fired him. Yeah. 
and then and then hired I think two different other script writers in order to finish the movie. And I, it's actually kind of scary because when you watch this documentary, you kind of go, "Man, this is a movie I would totally see." By the end of it, you're kind of like, "Man, this, this sounds pretty good," uh, but it was never made, of course. So, um, but what I started to look at, like people talk about the the Kevin Smith script and everything, and I've seen all the you know a lot of Kevin Smith movies and everything, and I tried to watch Comic Book Men and some of the other things that he does. Yeah. Is is am I crazy to think that Kevin Smith might just not be very talented at anything? I I don't I don't really like Kevin Smith. Um, I mean, as a person, he curses I, a lot. And I mean, that's funny. Actually, I, guess, I was but... I was gonna say as a as a person, he's fine, but I don't even know if he's fine as a person. Um, yeah. I think he's highly overrated. Uh, like, oh yeah. You know what I wa- I tried watching a few months ago when I was recovering from appendicitis, so I I had a lot of free time on my hands and a lot of Netflix to watch. Uh, yes. Chasing Amy. Chasing Amy. I yes. remember kind of liking it like ten years ago, and I yep. I, I watched started watching. I was like, this is not good, and it's not good, and frankly, kind of offensive to like men and and lesbians <laughs> and comic book artists, and it's just like <laughs> I, but, I had a roommate in college who worshipped Kevin Smith, and yeah. um, a, basically forced me to watch Clerks. Yeah. And I thought Clerks was actually amusing. I, I enjoyed Clerks. Um, it, but it's not like the greatest movie ever made. And people talk about Kevin Smith like he's made all these fantastic movies. Man. And I just don't get it. But anyway, watch the Superman documentary. It's not the intention because this guy is trying in, you know, in a, a kind of a, a good light. But to a certain extent, probably just isn't very good at what he does. Uh, maybe that's why he, this movie never got made. Was that your, your takeaway from the whole thing? Was that Kevin Smith's just not very good? It, it, I'm tell, other than the fact that I kind of wish I had seen a Tim Burton-directed Superman movie, that yeah, was it. that would be interesting. Okay, well, yeah. Hey, yeah, you know what? I think that's the perfect first thing to go into for our, our topic du jour, actually. Exactly right, because tonight we're going to take a look back at some of these things that we thought might have been worth a damn before or might have not been worth a damn and we're going to look at at them through nostalgia nostalgia goggles <laughs> and we're going to uh we're going to take the, the goggles off and we're going to see them in the cold harsh light of day mm-hmm. and see if they're actually worth a dang so um how do you want to proceed here rue would what? you like to would what? you like to present yeah, our, our our first item for analysis. Let's continue on with what we were just talking about because I think it's okay. like so. That's Kevin Smith movies. Okay, uh, here we go. Uh, I can appreciate. Okay, Clerks obviously was Kevin Smith's big break. Um, yeah, <clears throat> like he basically like <laughs> basically committed credit card fraud essentially to uh, rack up a bunch of bills he could not pay at the time to get the thing made and. Yep. Uh, all that put together, like shoestring budget, early '90s. You can be like, ah, okay, yeah, I can appreciate this for what it is. Sure. The problem is, is that um, looking back, so I, I can totally give you know, uh, and say, hey, you know what? That that was totally influential at the time, and in, yeah, even important maybe. Uh, looking back now, and I've watched parts of Clerks. Now, some of it is just so cliche uh like the mm. whole the whole oh you know no one thinks about the innocent people that were killed when the death star was blown up like that kind of thing has been yeah. done to death six million times it reminds me on like youtube like five years ago even um 
when YouTube was still relatively young. And it seemed like every other day you saw some new, ooh, realistic Mario Brothers. And it's basically just like Mario, there's some guy in a Mario costume and he says like the F word or something. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, exactly. okay. After, after but, ten, after, oh, wow, this is great. After 10 different types of these things, it's like, I get it. Okay, it's funny because yeah. you're taking something that's inherently kind of kid-like and or child for children and making it like R rated. I get it. You know, same kind of thing from that. Anyway, going past that in the Kevin's other Kevin Smith's other movies, which most people I would say really like, at least the ones from the nineties. Yeah. I, I, like I said, you look at it today, chasing Amy, which most people would say is probably one of his best movies is Mm -hmm. just amazing with like the, not homophobia, but the, uh, the, tropes of what gay people and lesbians are like and how right. men react to them like right. they're stereotypical a, yeah there's like a really the point where i was just like okay i'm out was like there was like a super gratuitous like <laughs> like five minute uh kissing scene in a lesbian bar uh mm-hmm. with two girls and the two male leads are like so sh- one of whom is ben affleck which is kind of funny it's like yeah. so shocked and they're just like <laughs> and it's just like oh, oh my god oh yeah. this is not good this is really this is really heady stuff yeah yeah this is really make so and that's kind of why i don't i don't like kevin smith because to a certain extent he you know like with the death star rant you were talking about like it seems as if he's trying to be a little quentin tarantino ish mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where yeah. like people opine these things and they're like sitting there talking and it's very heady and then they move on to something else and there's something meaningful about that in the plot of the movie there's none of that in Kevin Smith. It's almost like he's trying to do that and just completely misses it. Yeah. I, I mean, and even my favorite probably of his movies, which is dogma I actually was watching part of the other day. I was like, this is still pretty good. Yeah. At the same time, some of the dialogue is really clunky. Unfortunately, some of Alan Rickman's dialogue is really clunky and like very un Rickman like, and I'm yeah. like, this is, this could have been better. Uh, so I am going to put forth as the first to be judged Kevin Smith movies. Nostalgia goggles? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, it's, nostalgia goggles. does not sure. hold up. Anyway. Well, what, what movies does Kevin Smith make now? I mean, Garbage, I, you know, generally, from what I understand. Well, yeah, and I think he's, that's why Pop he's out? doing. Yeah, well, he's, <laughs> but he's like, he's like, he's like an icon now, right? He's, he's more of a, yeah, he he's more of a kind of a. Yeah, he doesn't really so much make movies anymore that people want to see. It's more like, hey guys, I'm nerdy and I like to talk about right. nerdy things and insider I Hollywood get, stuff. Aren't and I cool? always wear a hockey jersey, and I always curse. Right, right. basically. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. That's kind of a shtick now. That's what he's. That's what he's for. He he's kind of a he's like a Comic Con icon or something like that. Yeah, we should all be so lucky. Yeah, it's a great um, gig. Get it? Yes, yes, yes. So I like that you put that forward. Maybe we should take a step back because I, I was thinking about this um, in preparation for the episode. And I was thinking, there are things that kind of change in nature by the fact that you get older, right? Mm-hmm. So you grow up and certain things just change, okay? I think we all know this. Oh, sure. But I, but I think that, that this, I want to I wanna distinguish that from this topic, right? Because this topic is about potentially things that you, that you enjoyed at a, at a different time of life. And then you get to see it from a different perspective. But it's not necessarily about you getting older it's about the thing in itself being judged mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. as in is that thing itself timeless is that thing itself have value outside of its original context in how you kind of 
and, interacted and, with. Yeah, and I think that's something that it's not necessarily just how do you personally see it. I think is yeah. in today's society. Yes. How can it generally be judged? One thing I, I think I've said a few times before. Quick example: some it's like a lot of super, some of the best Super Nintendo games. You know, where I. Like when I started making 16-bit gems, I was like, hmm, I really like these games. I think other sh- people should play them. And sometimes I was wondering, now are these really still great games or am I just kind of looking right. at them with the nostalgia goggles? And since then, I've, right. had, I've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of people who are like in their teens who yes. weren't even necessarily born when these games came out. And they're like, oh, man, I played this game because you were talking about it and it's really great and I love it. And I'm like, okay, good. So that is good in my mind tells me that's not a nostalgia goggle thing. Uh, right. Things like, you know, Final Fantasy VI really are great games and of their own right, and they still are great games, you know? Yes. Darn it. One of the things I was going to talk about tonight, Final Fantasy VI, by the way, yeah. and I think, you know, it's perfectly fine. I mean, I'll throw up the next one. You ready? Okay. okay. All right. So I think it's perfectly fine to say that, that something is timeless. You, you, you look through the nostalgia goggles, you take the nostalgia goggles off, and it's about the same, right? That's okay. It's perfectly good. Um, I was going to ask you about the about Star Wars four, five, and six. Ah, Mogo just said that in the chat, and I was like, "Wow, we're gonna have to talk about the Star Wars. That'd be a really great idea." And then, yes. so like that was just an intersection, a triforce of people having the same thought at the same time. <laughs> See, look basically. at that; it's amazing. We're we're synergistic here on the Echo Screen Live. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, I've heard of them. What do you think? I th- I mean, here's the thing. I think there are definitive markers in that series that show it as being from a specific time. Sure. In other words, they're not timeless. Um, it's not yeah. quite as bad as like a, a hairstyle of Deanna Troy at the beginning of Star Trek The Next Generation. Which time. is something I wanted to quickly touch on as well, but we'll right. get to that in a little bit. We'll, we'll get to it. I figured you were going to talk about that. Anyway, yeah. it, so there's, there's nothing that bad necessarily in terms of being from a specific time. However... I think I think you could easily argue that at least four and five um, have a timeless quality about them. They are the most kind of I would call universal of the Star Wars movies. Um, in I'd, that they I'd don't throw in just six too. I, I I probably would as well, but six to me is more of a nostalgia. It's thing. got some more issues with it than the other. It's two. got some more issues with it, um, and you know it's. Cat the cute and cuddly little Ewoks, and they really they they, they kind of don't belong in the movie. It's, it's it's a weird it's a weird thing. Anyway, I think they hold up very well, and I think that society today, because think about is there a franchise in the world that's more scrutinized than Star Wars mm-hmm. by its uh, fan base right now? Well, I mean, even in the past oh. decade. The thing about Star, I mean, made more scrutinized. I think. They could be more in depth scrutinized, yes, but the, pro- the th- not yeah. problem. But the thing with Star Wars is that it has such a breadth of its, of its fan base. It, it's yeah. a cultural, it's a cultural icon. It's not just like Star Trek is like okay, yeah, most people have heard of Star Trek. I yeah. would say not the majority of people would say that they are fans of Star Trek. I would say the majority of Americans, at least, would say, oh yeah, I like Star Wars. I would say I'm a fan of Star Wars. It's just a very broad fan base. I think it's more of like a cultural touchstone, you know, yeah. everything kind of gets measured around that. And and I think, uh, you know, the nostalgia goggles in you wants to remember. And I think this is why 
people do what they do. Like I bought the DVD set. I bought a Star Wars. I think I mentioned this before because it has as a B side the original unaltered theatrical release. Like crappy looking blue filters and everything. Right. Right. Um, and but I like that. You you know why? Because it's it's fun for me to go and watch the movies in kind of closer to the first way that I ever saw them. Um, and and that to me is is something that's nostalgic. Even though I think take the nostalgia goggles off, if you watch four, five, and six for the first time today, it has just as much value as it did in its time. So I got two, <clears throat> two, um, two things to say on, uh, or two examples, I guess you could say. Have you heard of the? Did I, I don't know if I talked about this. We had just had our Star Wars episode last time, mm-hmm. but that was mostly about Force Awakens. Uh, yes. But did I tell you, or did I mention last week or last time about the despecialized editions? Is this something you've heard of? Or someone someone in the chat. That's what it was. Someone near the end of the last episode mentioned it in the chat about oh. the despecialized editions of the original trilogy. You mean you mean none of the special um, added stuff? Yes. None of the special editions. But it's more than that. It's like it's it's a really impressive project that's been going on for something like ten years. Where because huh. because like you said, um, you know, in two thousand four or something like that. Uh, the B-side DVD was released as part of the the box set, you know, like, ah, yes. here's the unaltered version, go. Right. And it's like, yes, it was, but it was like taken from a source, like like a not great source, and the sound yes. mixing is off, and this, that, Which and the other. Which they did on purpose. George Lucas did that on yes. purpose. Yes, there's definitely still issues with that release. And then yes. when the Blu-ray came out a few years ago, they basically just took that and upconverted it. So it's the right. same exact problems. So here's right. someone who's like, or a group of people really who took from multiple sources like the laser disc release the laser disc is the definitive edition of the movie because yes yeah because yeah. that's the highest quality and original like prints you know that that still might exist of certain parts of the movie uh and mm. like like a dozen different sources and re they remix the sound so that mm. you know george george lucas what am i saying uh john williams's <laughs> score doesn't get drowned out george like lucas's it did. score in certain places uh yeah. they took out all the special edition stuff they color corrected it um so that it actually looks right and That's they cool. you know all the stuff and it is i download it they're like 20 gig downloads and i just just like out of curiosity popped them in yeah it's amazing it's huh. you have never seen star wars like this it, it, like i remember it, it's just like i remember seeing Back when I first saw Star Wars in the mid '90s, when I got the VHS, except the quality is ridiculously good. Uh, yeah. It really brings you into the movie more. Um, and you know what? Looking at it in that way, as it was originally, essentially back in the '70s, right? It is still a very gripping movie. You know, uh-huh. yes, it's a little cheesy with the special yeah. effects, but that's also part of the charm. Um, it absolutely is. Star Wars. Especially episode four and episode five. And that's another thing. It doesn't say episode four, New Hope, at the beginning of Star Wars. They redid it original, how it was. Right. But uh, definitely still holds up. And there's a reason it's still a cultural touchstone. Uh, it's yes. really it's really hard to take off the glasses and say, oh, and I said this last time as well. It's hard to take it away and say, just look at it as its own critical movie and yes. just say, oh, I don't know anything about Star Wars. What would I think of this? Right. It's really difficult to do that. But. As in as much as you can, I still think you can objectively say it still holds up as a great movie. I agree. And I think it's one of those things that, that definitely does hold up over time. 
And uh, it, it's it's a rare exception. But I think, you know, we all have those things, right? I mean, uh, that that are timeless in specific genres. And I think Star Wars will probably be one of those things that should go down as a, as a cultural touchdown. Uh, so going from Star Wars to Star Trek, and I specifically yeah. wanted to talk. So, OK, so wait, Star Wars original trilogy. No nostalgia goggles. Still great. No, <clears throat> no. Yep. Uh, Star Trek Next Generation, I believe, is both yes. of our favorite Star Trek yes. series. Uh, and so I was watching um, about a year or so ago. I, I watched a, I, I, I we got off track on it, but I started like I'm going to get my girlfriend who has never really watched Star Trek at least watching Next Generation. So so she can see a little bit of what I see in it. Yeah. Having said that, so yeah. Having yeah. said that, 178 episodes is a lot to ask. Yeah. Um, 178 hour long or 45 minute episodes is a lot to ask. So I'm like, I'm going to still yeah. listen to like 40 or 50 essential Star Trek Next Generation episodes. And then we yep. started watching from the beginning, skipping a most yep. of the first couple of seasons, but still. And I'm like, wow, this looks, this looks a lot date, more dated than I remember. Yeah. You know, not just the hairstyles, especially in right. the early seasons with the poofy Deanna Troy hairstyles. Oh, my like that, gosh. Like yeah. the bridge of the Enterprise. Yes. I'm like, wow, the color Wood of green and carpet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like, wow, that carpet looks really, really dated. And the wood paneling yeah. on that console is weird. Um, well, it's like, you know, it's a vision of the future. And now all of a sudden, a lot of those things kind of exist in, in a certain way. And you kind of go, man, it wouldn't look anything like that. Exactly. And the pads, which are like. Uh, ridiculously thick compared to iPads today, and there's like this right. tiny screen on it. Uh, one thing I will say is that the acutograms, uh, the 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 screen displays that pop up, that many people actually would credit as influencing the smartphones we have today with the touch and, and the changing displays uh, and all that. Yep. Those yep. still look great. Uh, yeah, Michael and Denise do. Okuda did an amazing job with that, uh, to even to this day. And and by and large, right, the, the the technology that we have about voice assistants is is by and large derived from how people use the computer in Star Trek. Oh yeah, exactly. A- Amazon Echo is like trying to be the computer from Star Trek. Oh, I, I use um I use OK Google all the time, uh, yeah. but but and and the it becomes a little bit less dated looking when you get into Deep Space Nine and Voyager and Enterprise. I actually watched some Enterprise last night because I was like, hey, why not? It's on Netflix. And I'm like, okay, these look better. But man, Next Generation throughout its run had that slightly date. It's starting to stink a little bit of the 80s. Um, yeah. <laughs> and early 90s. Uh, and then having said that, there's still some really great stories and some damn fine acting in the show. But you look at some of the sci-fi that's come out in the past 15 years. Yeah. Such such that it is, you know, like we talked about the sci-fi drought that we've been experiencing the past 10 years, but you have to also include in there things like Battlestar Galactica, um, even, even, I would say maybe even Lost, um, yeah. and, and shows like that. And you're like, wow, you know, sci-fi has come a long way from this extremely episodic, everything's more or less tied up by the end and you know, nothing bad's going to happen. Although having said well, that, Tashi Yar did die early on so that yes throws people for a loop but yeah um, by the way i don't know if i told you this but chaos on the bridge is awesome oh no i'm glad um, you saw that i know it's not yeah. a really interesting look into the first couple of seasons of TV. it is and and what's amazing to me is just like you were saying the other thing is it, it it kind of reflects a different mentality like i recently went to disney world right and and if you go to the epcot center 
the front of the Epcot Center. It's as if someone froze time and created Star Trek The Next Generation's world. Oh, yeah. Right there. Because it's, it's, it's that perfect kind of era of everything's clean and, and you know, um, it's got kind of those round kind of the round shapes to it that are like long and, and striking. Everything's reaching for the sky. Um, it looks like an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, which was really funny to me, mm-hmm. which is a, a reason that Epcot Center by and large looks pretty dated today. Oh, in, yeah. In my... it's, it's almost a retro future kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Which is which is kind of cool. And kind of the reason that I think I like to watch a lot of those Star Trek episodes. That being said, um, I'm just I'll think of a random one. I, so thank God for BBC America. They just they just put these episodes on and I put them on as background noise a lot. I saw the episode where Beverly goes back to her family. Right. Uh, and uh-huh. it's like the, the ghost and all, like, oh, all this yeah. stuff. And and I that episode, I'm going to tell you, it's not good. As as stylistic as it was, it was it was a great setting. They did a fantastic job of capturing the feeling that they were trying to convey there. That episode blows. I mean, it's 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 you can't, it's not interesting. You know, the whole time you're just sitting there going, "Is this this is Star Trek? Like, what you know, what what the hell is this?" Um, it's just not good. No, and and certainly, I think as time has gone on, especially think a, a series like Deep Space Nine is seen in a lot more positive light because it because it did really break some new ground in changing not only to a more serialized version of, of science fiction, but also a darker one. You know, there's yes. some episodes of Deep Space Nine that are really, really dark, especially for that time. Uh, I, yes. What jumps out to me, of course, is in the pale moonlight, which if you've never seen it, I don't want to spoil, but I mean, that's the, the, the Garrick Romulans dominion war one. And then yes. the one where Fantastic. Nog, uh, where, where not just Nog, but multiple people are like stuck in an asteroid and it's like a ground mm-hmm. war against mm-hmm. the dominion. You have to see what it's like in the trenches there. It, it, it's great. You would never my, see my, that in Next Generation or, or I recently or the original right. series. Thematically, you're 100 percent correct, and and Deep Space Nine feels less dated for that reason. But there's still that big, and and, and I don't know necessarily why this is. I could probably guess, but there is. I, I want to say it's fuzzy or blurry. So go watch it. Right? They specifically <clears throat> put a lot of kind of fuzz in the in the in the picture which makes it look almost like a soap opera as it were mm-hmm. it's kind of more of a dramatic kind of uh feel to the screen they did it on the next generation to a certain extent as well but it's much more pronounced in deep space nine and how they light things hmm. and they're in a foreign station right i mean it's it's supposed to be kind of dark but yeah lit kind of from the back and and things kind of glow a little bit um that makes the picture look pretty dated but the mm-hmm. thematically, Deep Space Nine is so much more of a. Uh, you're right, of a darker kind of. It's more indicative of what sci-fi would be now than it is than Next Generation is. And I would say, you know, I, have you seen any of the newly remastered Next Generation episodes that just no. recently came? So they recently were released on. Other Blu-ray. than the one I saw in theaters. Oh, there you go. Uh, but there were some recently released on Blu-ray. They they were like going back to the original film stock and retouching it, recolor correcting, and everything just for the yeah. Blu-ray release. <clears throat> and I believe that's the version that's on Netflix right now, actually. Oh, that's awesome! So you might want to try some of those next generation episodes and see if it, that filter is still on there or if it looks a lot better. It should look better. Um, but yeah. anyway, to to wrap all this up, <clears throat> I would say I, I still like Next Generation quite a lot. Yes. It's still probably my favorite series uh, of the mm-hmm. Star Trek series. 
it's starting to look a little bit dated <clears throat> in not only its conceits of the plot, especially in the early seasons where Picard's super hoity-toity, like, oh, well, human- yeah. humanity is perfect, and we know exactly what we're doing. Right. Screw you, aliens. Um, yeah. In other words, the Gene Roddenberry ones. Exactly. Right? Uh, which the, again, plot, the plot-driven episodes versus the character-driven episodes. Yeah, which, again, if you haven't seen Chaos on the Bridge and you're a fan of Next Generation, you, so, you should go to Netflix and watch that. But um, yeah. it's starting to look dated in Next Generation, but it's not nearly as bad as the original series is. Uh, that is, like, 30 years after that came out, that was super dated. In yes. so many ways. The art direction, the plots, most of the plots... Uh, it was damn or down downright ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, in a lot of ways. Agreed. Next generation has not reached that point. I don't think it'll fully no. get that. It'll never be that camp. Oh, at least. It, well, you're absolutely right. But I think the the first couple seasons, you can kind of just throw them out because, you know, if, if my kids ever look at something like that, it's going to be like, what the. But if you go into the later seasons, I think you're right. I think it, I think it would hold up, um, you know. <laughs> When we start talking about the Borg and some of those other things that come in, you know, I, I think that, you know, that, that that could stand on its own. All right. What do you got? Um, so here's one. This is not necessarily a again, a, um, uh, a, a, a movie or a, a media. This is one I was going to talk about, which is arcades. Oh, OK. So arcades. Now, hear me out. So we all grew up. Where it was a special occasion, you know, you go down to the arcade, you know, play some quarters, right? Rock some games, have some fun. Usually in dark spaces with the, the because that was easier to make the you know, screens brighter so that you could see. Um, you know, usually swarming with 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 other kids or or, or the like, right? Um, the whole idea of the cabinets, the whole idea of the big light and sound. Um, that's, you know, that's something that by and large died in this country. Um, there are other parts of the world where it, where it really didn't die, but I think it's kind of making almost a little bit of a comeback in, in maybe an altered way. So I guess my question to you is, do you have nostalgia goggles for arcades or were they really that great? So the first video games I ever played were actually in an arcade. I played Super Mario Brothers for like six months before I realized it was on a home console and that mm-hmm. NES existed. Yep. So in a lot of ways, I have some nostalgia for arcades, but at the same time, I um, I really enjoy arcades more nowadays, like as they mm-hmm. exist nowadays. Right. Uh, we, we, we went to a really great arcade up in New Hampshire recently. I, yes. uh, I've been to other ones that were awesome in Portland, Oregon, uh, even in Raleigh. Um, there are more barcades now, yes. uh, if anything. And that's, you get a really interesting mix of games. Uh, you don't have, uh, man, this is really hard to say because, you know, like as a kid, I would hate that because I'm like, I don't care yeah. about alcohol or anything like that. And as an adult, I'm right. like, this is awesome. You don't have kids yeah. running everywhere and you can have an adult Tell me about beverage it. with some food while you're playing. You can go from asteroids to I don't know, something brand new, like Pac-Man versus or something like right. that, you know, um, which I know is an old game, but it's relatively new. Shut up. Yeah, uh, it's based oh, yeah. off an old game, but uh, right. it's not as old as Pac-Man. Exactly. So a lot of people like really bemoan the death of arcades and I, I bemoan more. I bemoan, bemoan more than the death of arcades, the death of arcade games and arcade cabinets and and 
luckily, uh, outside of museums, I think barcades are a way to keep those alive. So I'm I'm mm. I'm less I'm less nostalgic for old arcades because I think yeah. they're able to be kept alive in this new form, and I think it's more I sustainable. Agree. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's nostalgia goggles because if I look back at that at that uh, at that whole phenomenon, you know, it it, it kind of saw its day, and then it was really, yeah. I mean, I can literally in probably about five minutes pop up any game that I could have played back in the '90s in any arcade anywhere, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and have that experience. Now it won't be the same as being in, as I just said, in the, in the dark room with all the people running around and everything else. But you know, um, the, you know, there is at least a point of reference, and you know, now I get to play other games that are new and have experiences that are different, right? So, although I am with you, I am one hundred percent. I have we have advocated for this before the preservation of those old arcade machines, and I go and spend my hard earned money <laughs> at arcades now because I want to keep them up and running because I think they're fantastic, and I think you know kids should 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 experience them. I think it's nostalgia goggles. I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm very happy with video games being a home-based thing or, or as you said, uh, kind of spun in a new format where adults who grew up with arcades can enjoy them. without. It's kind of like the way that, that a lot of these bowling alleys have refigured bowling. Like bowling is kind of a thing you do while you have food and drink with your friends. Yeah. Barcade, same kind of concept. And because and, let's face it, the, the whole idea of an arcade, once home video gaming became a big thing, and yeah. now not even home, but mobile gaming is huge now. Yeah, yes. You don't have to go out and go to one place to play the newest games or the, where, you know, the most exciting games anymore. That was, that was the death knell of arcades, and they're never coming back in that form again. So yeah. to have one where they can you know exist... They don't exist because people put quarters in their in in the pong machine. They exist because people go and they spend five dollars on a beer and then put a quarter in the pong machine. If that's what it takes to keep these games alive, I'm all for that being the case now. And since I'm older, I get to enjoy it anyway. So yay, yay, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I I, I figured I, I wasn't sure how that would now that one would go, but I was just thinking about something that I think I clearly enjoyed more as a child, and not just because I grew up, but because it wasn't that wonderful. Which is the arcades. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, I was okay. And that's, again, I think most kids were okay with just going home to play their games, which is why that's what happened. So, Right, and why kind of we're here. So that's cool. <laughs> All right. Um, what do you got? Oh, well, since I already teased it in the, uh, the show uh, notes to begin with, uh, Crystal Pepsi. Yeah. How about some Crystal Pepsi? It's the thing that nerds have been, for some reason in particular, internet nerds have, or internet personalities have been clamoring for. for Internet personalities probably are are more nostalgically bent. They have a nostalgic bent to what they do. The internet, man... Can is a nostalgia machine. You can you can punch yeah. up almost any dang commercial from the past <laughs> fifty years on YouTube, and, and and people make good darn livings off of off of milking that <laughs> nostalgia. You know what I like that Publix a holiday commercial yeah, we saw twenty absolutely. years ago. Yeah. That that when we were in college, you had to email the HR people from Publix and say PR. Hey, oh, sorry, PR the director, the head of PR for like, the whole corporation. <laughs> you're where you're like. Hey, uh, I, I remember a few years ago seeing a, a commercial for Publix. Dad, it was had a really great music and on it. There was a train. You, you, basically, you basically said, it's Publix commercial and it's got a train. What was that yeah. music? 
I, and, I basically did that. I don't they, know. What, my voice didn't sound anything like that. I don't yeah. know what that was. Yeah. But they have to respond and be like, oh, that's Last Train Home, home by John Mulaney or whatever his name is. Pat, Pat Metheny. Yeah, that was so close. Pat Metheny group. Yeah. yeah. And now you can just go Publix Train Commercial on YouTube and it'll go. Yeah, there it is. Right. You're, and you're in. You're in. It's not even a Christmas song, for Christ's sake, which is why I, I couldn't find it. But no, but anyway. it's a good song. Anyway, a cr- great, great song. Crystal Pepsi. So it was around yeah. for like a year, maybe. Um, and then just went away and people have been clamoring for it ever since. And now I, apparently this summer, they're going to be bringing it back at least in a limited fashion. And I'm jumping in with both feet. And we're, we're, we're both, I'm sure us and a lot of people will jump in and be like, oh yeah, Crystal Pepsi. Great. And I completely imagine it's going to be like, oh yeah, that's what it tasted like. Yeah. All right. Well, All right, see, see you later. later. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, that's it. I, uh, no I one gets I that excited remember. about soda. Oh, yeah. It's, it, well, and especially soda these days, right? Soda's kind of a bad word now. You might as well be saying cigarettes, <gasps> uh, especially if you ask Tom Brady, who thinks, you know, Frosted Flakes are going to poison our children. Hell, yeah. Um, he knows. Anyway, so, yeah, I know. Uh, we, he, you call Frosted Flakes a food. Like He says that with such disdain in his voice. Anyway. He's a competitor. Um, he only puts raw nerves and winning in his body. Yes, yeah, right, and and screams his name whenever he throws the football. Tom Brady. So, uh, you know, I am excited about Crystal Pepsi. I'm excited about seeing what's going to happen with 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 this one coming back. Definitely have nostalgia for it, but I, I, I actually kind of liked it when it came out. I remember oh, I did too. Really liking the taste of it. I, I did. Thought t- it was really good. I did too. But what I'm saying is that I totally expect after 20 years of hype, yeah. it's going to be like, all right, well, that's a soda. Yeah. All right, that's it. Yeah, it's totally right. nostalgia goggles. If this was yeah. anything else, I, I don't know why. I don't know why. I think it was just fed by internet people saying, oh, Crystal Pepsi, Crystal Pepsi. Oh, my God, Crystal Pepsi. Do you remember Crystal Pepsi? I remember. It was amazing. Oh, my God. And that's a fe- been a feedback loop for years and years. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm not saying it was ba- it's bad or was bad. I think it was good. It was like that. Lem- was good if I remember yeah. correctly, it's like that lemon-lime Pepsi. What's wrong with that? But right. it's it's not... It, it's totally overblown at this point, I think. Right. Now, I will say definitively, if they brought back Dr. Smooth, yes, that would be a total n- nostalgia. 100 times out of 100, I would prefer Dr. Smooth over bringing back Crystal Pepsi. Yes. It was like Me a too. more mellow, better tasting Dr. Pepper. Yeah, it was. It was, it was right. delicious. It was not, not as crisp. Exactly. Not as bitey. Exactly. It yeah. was smoother. Yeah. That's what yeah, it was. I suddenly got yeah. it. Yep. I hey, got it. We figured it out. I'm sure Lock Holmes, good night. <laughs> All right, we're actually getting long in the segment at this point. Do you got any yeah. any other big big hits? Um so we talked about some of the video games. We talked about some of the so I was going to talk about music. So I recently okay. also took in a um Yeah, I agree. The Beatles suck. I wasn't going to talk about the Beatles. I could talk about the Beatles. <laughs> the Beatles are kind of like the that, that timeless example, but I'm not going to do that. I was going to ask about one that 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 Runners. that's kind of more recent, um, in the same kind of era that that we would talk about for a lot of these things. So I recently saw there was a documentary, a a very new documentary on Netflix about the death of uh, Nirvana lead singer. Um, oh yeah, Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. Remember his last name for a second there, Kurt Cobain. So, um, yeah, forget the documentary, which is kind of lame. Uh, I was going to ask about that moment in music. Okay, so 
A lot of the, the bands that were around in the early to mid 90s who had big hits but kind of went away have come back. Like Toad the Wet Sprocket just made a new record uh, last <laughs> year. And Collective Soul just came out with a new album this year. And uh, good, uh, Matchbox 20, right? Some, some of these, wow. these bands that, that, that we're reaching for that you think have died for so, so long are coming back and making new albums. And, and I've heard some of the music and the music's really good. So my I, question to I you always like Collective Soul. Collective Soul. So let's let's go back to to that moment in music. You know, early '90s music, and I'm not just talking grunge. I'm talking alternative. You know, kind of the scene. The scene. Anything that wasn't necessarily. Someone already asked a question about this for for our next portion of the program. So I'm going to get to it. But something that wasn't kind of the silky '80s kind of carryover into the '90s, like ballads and stuff, Celine Dion type stuff. Anything that wasn't that. What do you think? Does it hold up? Like, would you would you play that for your kids and say you should like this music? It's good. Or would you look back at it and go, oh man, that sucks. Which exactly are, are you talking about? Say, say, pick, pick one. You pick one and 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 go. Like, uh, um, pick something hokey. How about how about the Backstreet Boys? Uh, okay, so I'm I I was well Backstreet Boys. I would never Tell say me. it was all that great, but <clears throat> okay. So, so it wasn't good, and you, you, well, you think that it doesn't hold up at all. You would never want your kids to see it. <laughs> well, I, w- I would be surprised if they if they got excited about it. Right. Uh, I, you, you wouldn't like start dancing and singing along, even though you, I know well, you know I might, the words. I might. Okay, yeah, uh, but that's me. It's good. So uh, let, 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 let's break it up into into some some general. Uh, okay, you know time periods here, like eighties in general. I love eighties yes. music. It's I, yes. I really enjoy the crap out of it, and it's does hot it, as hell. Right? Does it does it hold up? Ah, uh, not so much. I would say a lot more nineties music holds up than eighties music. You know, I, I would I would have agreed with you like ten years ago, but I completely disagree now. I just watched so I, I, I'm I'm gonna kind of name drop here to a certain extent but i you know if you ever uh, all right i'm just gonna get to it there is a (laughs) there is a uh, so my my opinion here is that there is an entire movement in music today that is completely consumed with repackaging 80s music and they're really really good at it right okay and I mean, not just kind of not just kind of the chip tune kind of, um, you know, um, Kavinsky, Love Fox kind of thing. Like I'm talking like Ted Kaczynski. No, no, no. no. It's a it was a it's a group like uh, like um, uh, gosh, this is meandering now. Sorry, I, I'm I'm going to skip. <laughs> I'm going to skip. This is what that. happens when you get into, uh, yeah. into music. Look up the song Testarossa Overdrive. You're going to know exactly what I'm, what I'm talking okay. about. Anyway, it's, it's sweet. It's awesome. It's new music, but it's so totally 80s. But there's so much 80s influence in pop today that 80s music doesn't seem nearly as jarring as it did 10 years ago. Uh, so, okay, I'd say that. Uh, 80s music true. is all over pop music. Like if you, if you turn on pop radio right now, which I don't listen to at all, all the, all the hip-hop artists, all the rap artists, all the, the rock artists, I mean, almost everybody... There's not much Taylor rock Swift, that's right? super popular it's, anymore. It's all like 80s music just repackaged. That's uh, true. Taylor Swift so, is, yeah. Uh, and Katy Perry also has a few songs that obviously well, again, hit right? off the 80s. It's um, all, it's all, 80, I mean, like freaking, you know, I mean, uh, listen to Hot and Cold, for example, by Katy Perry. 
That is a remix of a of a car song. I was also that gonna is, say last. Is a car well, song. yeah, that's true. I was also gonna say last Friday night is like so obviously eighties influence. It, exactly. So my point is, the '80s music seems less dated because of the cultural context. We that's live in a good now. point. Okay, that's a good point. That's a good point. But '90s music is almost more jarring. Listen to really? "Smells Like Teen Spirit." Listen to "Smells Like Teen Spirit." You can play that on almost any radio station now because it's kind of crazy. You can play it on a classic rock station. I've heard to "Smells Like Teen Spirit" on a classic rock station. <laughs> so those they can play "Smells Like Teen Spirit." You can play it on almost any kind of radio station, and everybody goes, "This song is freaking great!" Mm-hmm. Right? It just holds up really, really well. Go and play. I'm trying to think of something that's an analog of, of "Smells Like Teen Spirit" that was from the same era. Go and play something mm. like "Garbage." Ice Ice the, Baby. The garbage. No, 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 no. I'm talking about an analog from grunge. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was like, okay, garbage. Yeah, garbage. Like if you heard "Garbage" on the radio today, you'd kind of be like, ah, I don't know. Like th- this, this doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Sound you're, garden. you're old and working for the man. No, I, I just. It's well, that probably is true. But I, my point is, if if I were going to to put forward an example, I put forward "Smells Like Teen Spirit." But I think if you looked around, the lo- "Smells Like Teen Spirit" is not indicative of everything that was released around it. So that mu- all that music that was released around it sounds more jarring to me today because music doesn't sound anything like that. Hmm. It's weird. It's a really weird thing. Yeah, this is very subjective. I think it's. It is, uh, it, 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 but that's okay. There are more. There are things that can be more nostalgic driven than others. Yeah, right? I think. Oh man, if we're going into like like region or, or time periods, fifties uh, uh, is obviously very dated. Um, yeah. There's some classic works or classic work, classic music from the sixties and seventies. I would say some of the heavier drug influence songs. Oh yeah. Uh, don't hold up at all. No, frankly, it's no. it's something you know that what? nowadays you look at and like, ah, uh-huh, they were high. Or or worse, uh, and you can tell. You know, it's funny because I think the way the way that the '80s was so out when you and I were in high school, I think that's the way people look at like the '70s now. Like the '70s looks awful. Yeah, it, it just like, and I'm not. And the '70s is one of the greatest we're decades gonna, of music we're, of we're, all time. We're pissing some people off here. I, no, no, no. Listen, it's, <laughs> it's one of the best. It's one of the best decades of music of all time. The 70s is. No question. It's got some of the best stuff. But it's got some garbage. real garbage. Yeah. Oh, my God. And the look and feel of which all is, that stuff. Like People look back at that and they're just like, oh, my God. Which is what bad. people said about the 80s for the longest time. But you're right. I, I think in general, the 80s is now looked at more kindly than it has been. I know. Um, there, there is my favorite. And there's some really great it, stuff from the 80s, too, like Talking Heads. Yes. Which is my favorite. If you have not listened to Hurry Up, We're Dreaming, which is the album from a few years ago from a, a group, which is really just a guide called M83. Uh-huh. I, I was going to bring them up, actually. Absolutely have to listen to it. M83 is probably one of my favorite things in the world right now. And it's basically really, really great contemporary music that has a tremendous 80s influence. And in some of the interviews I've heard with the um, with the, the the guy, I can't remember his name. He has a uh, a name I can't remember for some reason right now. Anyway, he talks about how the '80s was such an amazing decade for music, mm-hmm. and how he's just kind of distilling a lot of that into into some of the things that he does. And I and I I felt so vindicated because even in, even when you and I were in college, I was in a music fraternity, right? People were like, "Oh my god, the '80s was such a terrible you know decade for music," and and now I just sit here and laugh because it's like you know the '80s are are so heavily appreciated. Vindication. Vindication. Uh, I, I will say, and actually, some people in the chat already said this: uh, the the two thousands. I think specifically the later two thousands 
oh, and, yeah. uh, and early 2010s were a, yep. there was was a bit of a wasteland of like yeah. of like uh, club music. It became club like music. That. It, yeah. That's all it was, and that yeah. is not. It already doesn't hold up at all. No, um, I completely agree. That's not going to work. Uh, there was some. How does Pitbull still make money? Can somebody tell me this? There's so there was some really good music in the early 2000s. I think uh, Britney Spears, for example. I'm just kidding. I was going to say. Um, I was gonna, uh, not not at all good. not train at all. Um, but uh, what why train pop train, in my I mean, head? Tra- trains trains trains. No, no. train is great music. I hate you. Um, why? What's wrong with train? No, no. The killers, killers, the killers. Good stuff. Killers, awesome. That's that. Awesome. That might be. Uh, um, not Samstown. Was Samstown? Samstown. Samstown was, uh, was the American follow-up to Hot Fuss. Hot Fuss is what I'm thinking of. Was like I think the last album that I really liked, top to bottom. Oh, it's just, yeah, it's, it's flawless. flawless. So uh, anyway, said, anyway, hurry up, we're dreaming. Flawless, top to bottom. It's a double album. Flawless, top to bottom. There you go. Okay, All right, so uh, we, we went off. Um, anyway, good, good, I good. Yeah, I don't know that we necessarily uh, figured. Maybe we, should, we, maybe we should do a few more of these where we just bring in other stuff. Yeah, we we did not come to any conclusions on the music one. <laughs> no, but that's okay. But... That's right. This is good. This is good. I, I I smell a new series coming to the Echo Screen Live where potentially we could do uh, editions of Nostalgia Goggles where we are better prepared. Yeah, Nostalgia if, Goggles. Yeah, with with you know to to talk about some of the things that we've just remembered. For example, I watched an episode on talk about this, the, the internet nostalgia. I watched an episode of Beekman's World the other day uh, on YouTube. Beekman's World holds because up because I wanted to see if it's if it held up as comp- as compared to Bill Nye the Science Guy, and uh, it it uh, it's definitely more of a kiddie show than I remember. Ah, uh, and. and um, I'm going to say it's nostalgic goggles. Oh, I completely disagree. I think Beekman's world holds up better than Bill Nye the Science Guy nowadays. Oh, I didn't say, I didn't say that. I didn't say it, it didn't hold up because I haven't watched Bill Nye the Science Guy in a while. I'm sure I would say the same, yeah. thing, same exact things about Bill Nye the Science Guy. Bill, no, uh, Beekman's world, I think, holds up better mostly because of the semi-absurdist humor, which is yes. really big nowadays. And, yes. and like you got a guy breaking the fourth wall. Sometimes yes. figuratively, sometimes literally and figuratively, talking about how he's a guy in a rat suit. Yes, it's it's and, pretty and funny. He's, it's he's pretty a good. Shakespearean actor who's just looking for work, but now he's playing a guy in a rat suit. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It is. It's 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 really funny and high um, energy. And, and the only reason I thought of this was because the there was some '90s movie on. Oh, you know what it was? It was the Brady movie, the very Brady movie. Uh, oh yeah yeah yeah. It now looks horrendously dated, by the way. But anyway, yeah. because it's a movie about the '70s. Anyway, that's that's, that's true. Poking fun the, at how dated the seventies were. The lesbian friend of Marsha yeah. in that movie is Josie. It's Josie from Beekman's World. Exactly. So I was watching. And I was like, "Oh my god, it's Josie!" So I had, and of course, my wife had no idea what I was talking about because she didn't know what Beekman's World was. <laughs> so I had to go show her. Anyway, um, all right. Uh, okay. So before we move on to the Q and A portion, and and you yes. give that whole spiel, someone mentioned earlier tab when we were talking about sodas. I just yes. want to I just want to bring this up because I think it's one, Tab was never good. No, no, no. Tab's awful. But Tab is one awful. of the most perfect things I've ever seen brought to a theme party. So for yep. Back to the Future Day, October 21st, 2015, which is when they travel to Back to the Future Part 2. Mm-hmm. Um I went to I might have even brought this up when we had the show around that time, but I went to a party because I had a friend, well, it's a party, really a small gathering because I have a friend whose girlfriend had never seen any of the Back to the Future movies. 
and we're mm-hmm. like, well, we're watching them, at least the first two. So buckle up, buckaroo. And buckle up, buckaroo. <laughs> so I go there after work, and we're getting ready to watch it, and someone comes by, and he brings a case of tab. How perfect is that? That is pretty good. It's pretty good. Except the tab. I mean, tab's awful. I'll drink it. But tab tab was the first diet soda, and it tastes like it. Yeah. Like, like, like uh, oh. I, I went I went to a, a viewing of the football games this past weekend, watching the Patriots dominate, and uh, that same friend, and he still had some tab left. So I was like, <laughs> fine, I'll drink some. And I was drinking it, and someone else was like, they still make tab? I'm like, yeah. He's like, what does it taste like? Aspartame. Yeah, it's basically, basically the flavor of tab. But anyway, yeah, it totally is. Okay. Um. All right. So we are now going to. I I, I like this idea of doing the uh, the nostalgia goggles part two. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll figure that out. Um. Now we get to the third portion of the program, which is uh the 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 question answer portion, where we will answer questions that you guys ask live or you know. Even if you just asked me like a couple weeks ago and I never got to it, maybe I'll I'll, I'll dig it up. Maybe, um, and we'll we'll answer them live on the air, even if we don't ask them live. So, um, how do you ask questions? You may ask. Well, how do you ask questions? Just ask a question. You just did. Why are you asking me such a ridiculous question? I know you already asked it. What do you, what more do you want? I know exactly. What what are you trying to do here? Uh, all you have to do is, if you're following along in the chat with us, all you have to do is send me a private message. My uh, name over there in the chat is Commodore One Twenty Eight because you couldn't figure it out. You can also tweet at It's the Commodore. Um, we've got a lot of questions already, so we're off to a pretty good start. But if you have questions about the topic du jour, nostalgia goggles, or if you have questions about some of the things we talked about in uh, the news and notes, the tids and bits, that's fine. Or if you have questions about literally almost anything else, we'll be glad to take it. Lynn Sanity, football if you have a about Lynn Sanity, championship playoffs coming. Football championship playoffs. Whatever it may be. Are you ready to rock? The sports ball? Yeah. All right. Uh, Lupicillo asks, now that you own a Wii U and the honeymoon period is over, which honeymoon period are we talking about here? Um, How does it compare (laughs) to your previous expectations, if any? That's a good question. Great question. Well... Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Oh, I thought this I mean, was—I thought, was, thought this was more against more on you, but yeah. Uh, well, it is, it is. But I mean, you own a Wii U, and the honeymoon period's over, so. Oh, uh, you, you go first. Talk about your ex- all right. So um, you probably can guess what I'm going to say. All right, the Wii U is slow. The Wii U is um, ill-conceived in some ways, with the with the controller, um, but. Every game that I've played so far for the Wii U is incredibly fun. And in many ways, it, it uses the technology very, very well. Um, it, it has a tough time, a tough time, excuse me, breaking away from novelty in some cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I have, in, in the case of like Smash Brothers and Mario Kart 8, th- these, are, these are great games. I would call them great games. I wouldn't call them good games. I'd call them great games. They're great installations in their franchises. And uh, the, the the Wii U does them very well. I just wish the damn thing could load in something other, you know, than like three minutes. Anyway, that's my, that's my, those are my, and I think it, it in other words, it met my expectations perfectly well because I was not expecting to get 
a PS4, right? Right. I, I knew what I was getting into. Um, I, yeah, no, I feel the same way. I mean, I got I got a Wii U because it's, uh, well, it's the, it's the console I wanted because I knew it was going to have the most games I wanted to play. I still don't have a f- real hard driving reason to get a PS4 or an Xbox One. Um, yeah. But the games on uh, on Wii U, I've really enjoyed when I have time to play them. Uh, I I did get uh, Mario Maker for Christmas, nice. and oh, it's it's a great game. It really brilliant, just so finely polished. That that's what I love about Nintendo games. They're so po- yeah. finely polished, and it uses the uh, the the gamepad in the, in a perfect way more more than any other game. Uh, I just wish I had more time to go on into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, for what it does. I think it does it really well. It, it plays some really fun games. It's not going to have a, a library that knocks your socks off uh, with like 50 games that are must plays, but uh, yeah. what it does have is really good. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 I'm, I've been pleased. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, good friend of the program, Psychopather, asks, upon the recent success of Hamilton... Ha <laughs> ha! Thought we were going to get I, away from... Oh, man. I was gonna, Oh, before we even go, uh, I forgot to talk no, I'm not, about... I'm not, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish the question no, because I'm, I'm no, not going to let you... I forgot to talk Which about musicals today. style slash biography mismatch would you like to see come to Broadway? So, so Hamilton, if you don't know, is like the hit musical on Broadway. I'm sure it's going to win all the awards. It is a hip-hop telling of the story of Alexander Hamilton. It just sounds so awful. It's good. It's so good. Anyway... Um, what would be a great mismatch? Um, uh, you could get really offensive if you thought about it. I'm sure. Yeah, this is this is like the uh, when when Mel Brooks made the history of the world. And it was like Hitler on ice. I was like, I was actually going to say the producers, which was already on Broadway. You got springtime for Hitler. What more yeah, do you like? That's that's a oh Mel Brooks. We already had our Mel Brooks episode. Hey, I, I, I they're finally making Spaceballs, the the sequel. Oh, I was gonna say they already made Spaceballs. Are they actually making Spaceballs the sequel? Pretty sure. Pretty sure. I heard. I, I read that the other day. I've heard. I've heard. I've heard. You know, rumors about it for years, but. Oh no! I I, I know. Um, I think you should answer the question while I look this up. You and your spurious rumors. Uh, who's Who's the best mismatch? <laughs> it's It's tough to beat. Hip hop with Hamilton, I guess. Because uh, <laughs> who would ever think of that? So yeah, it's so kind of disjointed. Maybe a. Um, well, the other thing is musicals are are really only lend themselves to certain kinds of music. Like it's it's really hard to. Oh. It, it's it. I mean, musicals are are their own form, and and uniquely American in many ways form, of of Actually, of music. Um, that's a very good point. And so, it, 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 like secondary to jazz, it's is kind of musicals. I had this conversation with 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 a, with a uh, an ex girlfriend who who happened to be pretty oriented toward the theater. Wait, and I, you know, I, so she would just sit around and pretend. That's lame. Oh, you felt oh, it. You felt oh, sorry there for a second. I, oh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think the I think the theater is is unique. And, and it only lends itself well to a certain forms of, of music. Hip hop is one of them, so that works. But you couldn't like do you couldn't like do a death metal musical. Ooh, that'd be interesting. You know what I mean? Well, what if it was a death metal musical of the uh, life of George Washington Carver? 
<laughs> there you go. I'm done. It's interesting. I'll give you that. I, we, we, we got a movie. We got some peanuts. <laughs> I don't think I can do that. Uh, <laughs> All right. All right. Next question. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could, I could handle that. Or a barbershop uh, quartet uh, story of Genghis Khan would be pretty good, too. I could dig that. I've seen a barbershop quartet musical. It's forever plaid. Yeah, that would work. I mean, again, it's it's there. It's vocal. It, it makes sense. Flower um, Playhouse. I, w- I want to see some. Oh, man. Music Man was good. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Music Man. All right. So uh, Tanner asks, with all the spinoff media surrounding Final Fantasy VII, <sighs> why do you think Square Enix hasn't touched Final Fantasy VI? Man, that's a really weird question. I think- Should they? I'd like them to, honestly. Yeah, I know. We, we disagree on this. Um, I want them to touch it. Why- we, we agree about why they haven't touched it. Do we agree? Why haven't they touched it? They're really, really worried about doing this one right. I don't think that's As opposed the case. to Final Fantasy IV, which they've done a hundred times. Uh, and, I disagree. You know, Final Fantasy V, uh, whatever. Uh, I think Square Enix has lost its way for quite a while. Yeah. They didn't know what to do or how to make money or, or anything. Um, yeah. At least the square portion. Enix seems to just be fine with its uh, <clears throat> the Enix side with its uh, uh, you know Dragon Quest seems to still be doing perfectly fine as it always was, if not better. Sure. Uh, but yep. the Final Fantasy has been rough for about a decade or so uh, for various reasons. Um, I and then only recently, after so much clamoring, have they gotten to Final Fantasy VII remake, and I yep. think. That they finally were like, oh, okay. Oh, people want a really well done from the ground up remake. Okay, let's do that. Of course, they're going to do Final Fantasy VII. Final Fantasy VII is the most popular ver- thing in the franchise. Totally. Having said that, maybe after they do seven, they'll be like, oh, okay, now let's try six. I mean, I would never rule that out. I just think that in this case, if I had to guess, you know, if there's one game they have to throw all the resources behind into remaking, it would be seven because for obvious reasons. Right. No, I agree with that. I think where we disagree is the should they. Because I, I think you leave well oh. enough alone to a certain extent. I'd like to see I, a remake. I think it'd be I, interesting. I mean, I've seen them wreck a lot of stuff. The thing is, the only reason why I think should they could be turned to a yes is because I've seen them remake. Like, some of the stuff they've done with 4 is actually pretty good. If they don't, you know, if they could find a way to make it. The issue is that 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 Final Fantasy, the, all the old Final Fantasies on Super Nintendo are very well catered and suited toward the Super Nintendo. How do you make an opera scene in a new? We talked about this several times on a new system. It would be almost impossible. You, you would, would have to hire someone to completely rewrite everything that happens in that sequence. Oh yeah, that's why it would be difficult. And also, I'd say 3DS. You think you think Final Fantasy VI and 3DS? Well, I mean, they remade Final Fantasy IV and Dragon Quest four, uh, five, and six, which is great. And now yep. they're doing seven and eight, and it's all going to be on the DS or 3DS. I mean, by the way, Dragon Quest seven comes yep. out on 3DS this summer. Super excited for that. I, I mean, they've just done a very great job with that. Square Enix has. Uh, the, that's that's the format I think it would work best on. With yeah, Fantasy I think you're VI. probably right because they get they get away with a lot of that stuff because you could still. You're still looking at at you know a couple of two inch screens, right? It's it's not. I, I think they can they can do pretty well with that. I agree. Maybe maybe just keeping it there would would wouldn't be so bad. I, I just always had this image of you know playing those games on a big screen TV and being really disappointed because it's terrible. 
it's like I don't know. It's it's tough. I, I just don't. I can't see that going well. Um. How about this one? Um, Red Mage asks, have you or Rue tried any of the legacy style board games like Risk Legacy or Pandemic Legacy? Games that require players to permanently change their game by destroying cards and marking the game boards. Do you have any feelings on those tabletop experiences that have a limited lifespan? I was just talking you, about this with someone literally a few days ago. Sub question, do you think there will be a place for this in video gaming? Ooh. I mean, Ooh, yeah. that's interesting. I mean, <clears throat> okay, well, first part of the question. I like the idea. I have not played any, any of them. <clears throat> I would like to. I think it suits itself extraordinarily well for, I think, the way adults do play board games for the most part nowadays, which is in a re recurring gaming group. Yes. You know, so if you <clears throat> are playing Risk Legacy and you name one area Poopton, you can get to it next time you play it two weeks later and be like, haha, this place is Poopton. I remember that. Yeah. Good times, yeah. right? You know, yeah. I think that works really well. And yeah. it's kind of brilliant because it brings new and interesting uh, uh, mecha game mechanics to otherwise dated board games. Even Pandemic yes. is kind of dated by this point. Yeah. Uh, and, and makes it more interesting. Meanwhile, the game company's like, cool, after these guys play this game 10 times, they got to buy another one. Booyah, right. money. Um, having said that, in terms of video games, did you ever play the web game? I think it's called One, not Once, One Time? One. Someone in the chat's going to correct me. I'm going to look this up really quickly. But it's something like that. It was on Newgrounds, I think. No. One Chance Game. Is that it? Yep. One chance. Okay, you should play it. Uh, it's a flash game. Mm. Not to give too much away. It, it'll, it'll be short. It'll take you like no more than 10 minutes. Oh, that's good. But basically the idea is <clears throat> uh, you, there, you are a, a scientist and there's this outbreak that's going to kill everyone in the planet in like three days or something like that. Okay. I'm going off from memory. I haven't played this in years. But and you have a series of choices to make on what you're going to do, like, well, you know, do you go? To, OK, it's like two days left until everyone dies. Do you go to the lab and try to fix it mm -hmm. or do you spend time with your son now that your right. wife has died or something like right. that? You know, and you have a series of choices to make when you get to the end. It gives you an ending. It's multiple ending game. Wow. But you cannot replay it. Uh, it saves your, your IP address and your cookies and all that stuff. And it's like, all right, no, you already played this game. That's it. That yep, is your one. Over. That is your one chance. You, now there's, there's, chance. there's ways around it. You can clear cookies and sure. Whatever. If you Still. really want to cheat, but the, the, the idea, the conceit is really interesting. I don't know if I've seen that in any other games. If anyone in the chat knows, please say so. But I like that. I like that sense of permanency. It reminds me of the, the the USB stick Minecraft world project we heard about years ago. Yeah, that's uh, right. Didn't what's your face talk about that? Play a little bit, save the world, pop it out, send it to somebody random. They play the game a little bit. And, of course, obviously everything is saved. So it's almost like generations of people are living in the same place over time and kind of live in the ruins of what was built by the people before them, um, which is really cool. I thought that was a great idea. It's a really interesting idea and not, I think, something that's done enough in gaming. 
And I, it, but so I guess the answer for both of us is a resounding yes. There's a great space for this in video gaming. We just, I think, like most things, it's 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 hard to figure out how that's going to work. I like how, that. how to do it so you don't piss off a bunch of people who are, who don't know better and they're like buy this game. And they're like, what? I can only do this once. What's up with this? Blah blah blah. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't know. You're right. That's that's a tough one to, to deal with. Um, Ford Prefect asks, what, if anything, is on your reading list now that you're caught up on Ice and Fire? Ooh, reading list. That's a good one. I don't yeah. get to read as much as I would like. Uh, but I did read The Martian before I saw the movie. I like oh. both quite a bit. Did you see okay. The Martian? I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. I, I, it's definitely on the list. I, you I should see it. see it. It's interesting. It's up for so many Oscars. I wasn't fully expecting that. And at first yeah. one, I was like, uh, Matt Damon for The Martian. I was like, uh, and then I thought about it. I was like, actually, he really did kind of carry that movie. I mean, it's basically him for most of it, which makes sense. Yeah. But anyway. Save it probably Ryan on Mars. <laughs> uh, kind of. Um, but you know, it's, uh, did you see this thing someone put together? It's, it's kind of full of a lot of bunk numbers, but basically the idea like how much has movie have movies spent trying to ha- trying to rescue Matt Damon? Like in, <laughs> like across all these movies from like Saving Private Ryan to The Martian to like uh, Interstellar to this that and the other it's just like a ridiculous amount of money that's been spent to save <laughs> Matt Damon it's really funny somebody please think of Matt Damon <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah The Martian was a really good book uh, I think I liked it better than the movie I think even yeah um, what else have I read is that it or read- is any what's on the list though what's on the list uh, I already read Ready Player One that was okay. Um, you know what I want to read? Books. What? Oh, see, no! I, I was gonna say eleven twenty three sixty three, which uh, is like it's been out for a little while, but it hasn't really gone on sale that I can see. It's just, uh, one of the more recent Stephen King novels. It's not mm. so much a <clears throat> horror story in, in the terms of classic Stephen King, but it's about this guy who can like travel back in time, and he keeps mm. trying to to stop Kennedy from being assassinated. Uh, but there's like some twist that keeps happening. I can't remember exactly. I, I read a mm. a synopsis at one point. It sounded really interesting. Uh, nice. Anyway, what's on your reading list? Um, I have a, a the uh, the biography, the autobiography of Billy Idol, mm. um, which I've heard is really good. Uh, and he is like a no holds barred. Uh, so that's going to be interesting. I actually have that on the bookshelf behind me. Um, I am currently reading the Plantagenets, as I think I had mentioned before, um, <laughs> because I was in such a, uh, a desperate history kind of mode after Song of Ice and Fire was over. I also have the sequel to that book, which is called The War of the Roses, Man, written by the same author. You're a giant nerd. Uh, I also really want to read um, Leviathan Wakes, which is the basis for the show the expanse um okay okay i have i have heard tremendous things about the novel the show so far is kind of lukewarm to me it's it's cool it's good i'm not gonna say it's bad but it's not amazing but i've heard the i heard the novel is just phenomenal so um maybe there's there's some room for me to go read that sucker all right so that's on that's the reading list the clan of the gray wolf book club yeah exactly done and hated it okay let's see mogo who is your favorite stand-up comic Ooh. all right well i feel like we might have gotten this one a while ago um 
but yeah, I think we did too. It changed for me recently, like of all time. Uh, or the one, the one I'm really on right now is yeah. uh, John Mulaney, who I accidentally said yeah. a little while ago. Yeah. Um, which have you heard him? Yes. Okay. Hilarious. Just really he good. He's very very good. He's he's excellent. His his jokes are really good, but his stories and the way he, his delivery is astoundingly good. Which is which is. When it really comes down, you start to realize that's what's more funny than anything else. Yeah, like it's not necessarily the 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 joke. It's kind of the way people tell jokes that's funny. That's that. Well, that is comedy, really. It's all about the delivery yeah. uh, and the timing. It's like yeah. my my favorite comedian is a guy named Brian Regan. Oh yeah, I like Brian Regan too. Brian Regan, <laughs> I don't know what it is. The way that he like contorts his face. You talk about the delivery. And uh, he's also, and I know this is going to make me sound really curmudgeonly, but he's also kind of a clean comic. It's not all clean. You are so but, curmudgeon. Um, yeah, I know. But uh, but it's, it, I like that. You know, it's 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 kind of a departure because almost every stand-up comedian you see today is just like, you know, it's like playing Grand Theft Auto Five. Well, um, I remember we both used to really like uh, early George Carlin before he oh got, my God. before he got super curmudgeonly in his old age. Yes, I, I do. I, I like George Carlin a lot. I'll tell you, and, and this is going to make me really unpopular. You know, it, it, Bill Cosby oh. has the best stand-up comedy oh. I have ever watched. And I'm talking about like himself. B- Bill Cosby himself is probably one of the best stand-up specials ever. I, I, I could watch that right now and still laugh, even though, even though I'm, I know I'm watching. And it's like 40 years old. Bill Cosby, right, yeah. Um, but especially now, because now I have a family and I have my own child. So it's kind of like, Hey, all that stuff that I just laughed at before. And I was like, ha ha ha. That's funny. Yeah. That, we, we do that as a family. Like now I get to see from another angle. So, yeah, I do also like Jim Gaffigan quite a bit. I feel he's got, Jim I, I, I don't, I don't like his new stuff as much. It seems, yeah, it seems like it's way. starting to repeat a lot, but he's, he's generally pretty yeah. funny too. Anyway, I like Jim lot, lots too. of really great comics out there. Um, um, Morgan asks, what's your favorite middle of the road game? I guess, I guess Morgan means middle like of the road tepid. Like maybe it's not such a great game, but you still like it. Is that, is that, is that how you would interpret that? We question? can take it that way. Yeah, if you would like. That. Yeah, let's do that. Um, <laughs> why? So like, TV's Mr. Neil finished the, uh, long-awaited Clan of the Grey Wolf fan art that I've been presenting at the uh, beginning and end of every broadcast. Oh, fantastic. It's pretty good. I'm, I'm going to be... Uh, I'm going to share this real quick. I'm going to completely, you know, sidetrack the question for a moment just to show this off. <laughs> you have blonde hair for some reason. I guess you do. I don't have... know. Yeah, I don't, I don't have blonde hair. Well, yeah, have... but compared to my dark hair, I can see that. You got, you yeah. got a very light brown, so I'll take it. Um, yeah. But my favorite is Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> That is pretty good. So thank you very much for that, Neil. That's awesome. I'm going to have to swap that out uh, for the next episode. (laughs) Saved. Anyway, I'm sorry. The question, I completely... I enjoy that. Yes. What's your favorite middle-of-the-road game? Oh, man. I like like a game game that's not necessarily universally liked. It's just something that that you happen to like, that you enjoyed. (laughs) Uh... A lot of them we've mentioned the show before. Like I would say something like, uh, "What was the uh, Star Trek RTS?" Oh, Armada. Yeah, Star Trek Armada. Is I liked game. Armada quite a bit. It's a good, it's a Man, good, I played solid, a lot of that. Good solid RTS game. 
not not the best you're ever going to play. Not a <clears throat> defining part of the genre, but it's it's fun. I'm going to go with a couple of early PS2 games, early on in the life console's lifetime, which is uh, uh, mostly ignoble rogues hmm. gallery of games. But uh, I remember playing them both at your house when you guys got a PS2 because you got hmm. it way before I did. But Dark Cloud, which I've mentioned before, which is like Factor 5's, not Factor 5, Level 5's first game. Excellent choice. It's a very good game. But you know what else? Shadow of Destiny, which is like this no-name game. Remember, it was like all voice acted, and it was really more of a puzzle game than anything else. You're this guy who keeps dying, and mm. but then there's like this homunculus who takes you back like an hour before you die each time. Like, well, no, you need to figure out how to stop yourself from dying this time. Uh, you know, do you yes. remember what I'm talking about now? Um, vaguely, I like vaguely. that. I like that I mean, game more than I probably should have. But the time travel mechanic really got me. Uh, it's that you know what? This is probably one of those games that has some serious nostalgia go- nostalgia goggles because it was a, go. it was a new experience for me. You know. So Morgan just clarified: not a AAA game or an indie title. Okay, so we went with that. Yeah. So we we, we kind of missed it, but that's okay. Um, here's here's one I, I love. Broccolope asks, "Would you call yourself a Michael Bolton fan?" <laughs> is that quoting something, or is that a real question? No, it's a real question. I actually, I actually like Michael Bolton. Yeah, I mean he's fine. He's he, all right. His best work is in The Lonely Island, Jack Sparrow. So I yeah. Uh, so you're that's, right. That's Lo- all the Lonely Island stuff is actually still really, really good. It holds up. Um, you know, I would say Michael Bolton's one of those. Like, I, I liked when he was like he just randomly shows up in a Christ, in a Honda Christmas commercial. I thought that was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, he, oh, it's Michael Bolton. He's like, self aware and he has fun with it. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. You know? uh, the other thing is, you know, because he wasn't in the office, but Michael Bolton was in the office. I think that's pretty funny. Uh, not the yeah, was the Office Space. Office, office space. space. The Office Sorry. Space. I don't know why I just said that. Office Space. Um. You know, I, I probably wouldn't say I was a Michael Bolton fan, but, you know, that that whole like movement of music in the early 90s that what that was like what grunge was revolting against was Michael Bolton, basically. Oh, yeah. Michael Bolton, Celine Dion. <laughs> uh, what was that? Uh, well, anyway, I don't want to get into it. All those all those crazy, like really mellow ballad kind of people. Um. I can't imagine that being popular now. Like, I just cannot imagine that being popular at all. It's amazing that there was a certain time in history when that was really popular. No wonder Kurt Cobain was 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 so agitated. Um, here we go. Anton asks, I joined a D&D campaign and decided on a human monk. I don't know what his backstory is. Next session is this Saturday. Thoughts? Um... I don't know about a backstory, but I okay. will tell you oh. that for a short time before he got killed in uh, unceremoniously. Okay. No, completely not. Okay. Uh, in my in I, my weekly D and D sessions that I have that sometimes happen, uh, I was playing a monk yeah. whose name was Kick Ponche. <laughs> okay. K I K. P-A-U-N-C-H-E with a little uh, accent mark. Right. Yes. And he liked to... To make it fancy. Yeah, and he liked to both kick and punch. And punch. Um, Kick, punch, or remember. 
that's that's really all that there was to his story. Um, okay, well, I think he is. Uh, oh, I don't know if it's he. The monk was um, was uh, abandoned at birth, left to a uh, left at a monastery uh, where he was taught the the ways of martial arts and uh, has a uh, penchant for buggery. No, I don't know. (laughs) Run with it. Go for it. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I might as well keep going, right? Um, I don't know. I I, I gave my my contribution. I don't know if you want to add anything to it. I already did. That's it. Okay. That's all I got. All right. Do we got any uh, 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 lightning round questions since we're coming up on like 90 minutes? We actually have some really deep questions, which is really tough. Oh, um, oh darn it. You could save them for next time, too. I know. I, well, these are going to be hard to save. Let, let, I, I can find one. Okay. I, I can find one. Let's 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 do some rapid fire stuff here. Okay. Oh, I like the deep ones, too. Just make sure you save them. Well, I mean, on the Twitter, they're saved for forever. Or until Twitter shuts down. I don't know. Right. Or until Twitter goes out of business, which could potentially happen Tomorrow. in our lifetime. Yeah. Um, like two years. Who knows? Okay. How about this one uh we actually already answered that question on another another show sorry um you already answered the concept of have you ever played mario maker and what are your thoughts on that you played it you already talked about that Boom, you done. talked about how much you love it yeah it's great um let's see here ah uh, Natimus asks, have you ever played Police Knots? And if so, would you recommend it? I have, no, I, have, I have not played Police Knots, but I've heard John D'Elia from RetroWare expound on it quite a bit. Uh, especially if you're a fan of Kojima. Mm-hmm. He did do Police Knots, I believe. Oh, man. I threw myself off there. Uh, I'd say go for it. If you like those kind of maybe a little too deep and meandery Japanese-type games, sure. Mm-hmm. Someone who is anonymously... Uh jumping in from the chat on the website asks, Hey Rue, which do you like better? Soul Blazer or Illusion of Gaia? Uh, Illusion of Gaia. That's not even hard. Yeah, Illusion of Gaia is a great game. Uh, Soul Blazer's got a lot of interesting things going on, but it's, it's a very raw game. Um, the harder question would be Terranigma versus Illusion of Gaia, and I might actually, no, I would say Terranigma. That's, a, that's an awesome game. That never came out here, but anyway. Alright, and, and, and just because I can't let it go without asking this question because it, it has to happen. Gizmo asks, speaking of nostalgia glasses, what do you think about Pauly Shore's resurgence to the limelight with Surge ads? What? Is this a thing? Seriously? It's a thing. It's a thing. Um, first of all, the Pauly Shore episode of Futurama is pretty hilarious, too. I hate Pauly Shore um, so much. I hate Pauly Shore so much. And every Pauly Shore movie I think I've ever seen is not just bad. It, will, it, would, it would not hold up for any amount of time. It, it, didn't, and- it didn't hold up then. That's right. It, it was it was just terrible. They're just terrible. So uh, any excuse to bring Pauly Shore back into the limelight is probably bad for me. So I'm going to say that. I'm going to say it's bad. Fair enough. Nostalgia glasses all the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, buddy. Well, guy, friend. This party um, died. Canadians. Um. You have uh, you have have yet again spent your time looking at us just talk and meander uh, for another ninety minutes, um, despite our best efforts to shorten the program. So well, despite congratulations, to- best efforts to shorten the program. Hey, just saying, I played along. Um, <laughs> well, this is not two hours. Good job. 
to, yeah, try not to talk about Kurt Cobain too long. Anyway, uh, folks, thank you for, for hanging out with us this evening to talk about some of the nostalgia glasses. I have a funny feeling, as we said before, that we will see that once again in the near future. Boom. Uh, so if you have any ideas about what we should talk about the next time we talk about nostalgia glasses, or if you have any other ideas for the program that you'd like to see us do as topics, please let us know. Any kind of amount of geekery will do. Um, hey. You already know where to tweet at me, at It's the Commodore. If you'd like to tweet at Rue, you can find him. Any dream will do. Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. No. Sick reference, bro. Jo- <laughs> <laughs> I'm speechless. I'm speechless. Um, Rue underscore C O T G W. There you go. I was about to say, fine. People won't, won't know where, where to go for you. And that'll be that. Um, until we see you guys next time. By the way, we are a bi-weekly podcast now. So you'll find us next, not next Wednesday, but the Wednesday after next Wednesday. Do you have any idea what day that is, Rue? That'll be the Wednesday before Super Bowl Sunday. Hey. Your New England Patriots will take on the Carolina Panthers. Where we will do a, a, a retrospective on all... A retrospective football yep. sports games. A retrospective of Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback to ever uh, play uh, football. Um, only second to Larry Bird, <laughs> who was the greatest at everything ever, apparently. Larry Bird and Tom Larry, Larry. Larry Bird. And I'm falling apart here. Yeah, that's all right. Anyway. Hey, I mean, look. Abort. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Eject. Um, my my lights are flickering, which probably means my power is going to go off. So before that happens, folks, we should probably sign off here. <laughs> Getting that half inch of snow yeah. already. This is yeah well, was, yeah the, the uh, I, there's there's just only three or four inches still left on the ground. So it's, it's probably snowpocalypse, guys. Snowpocalypse, it's coming. Hey, well you'll you'll see us after the recovery. Given the fact that there might be actually internet access after snowpocalypse, by the way, all this is is contingent upon that fact. That's true. Uh, anyway, folks, thanks for hanging out with us. We really do appreciate it. We uh, we we really do enjoy doing the Echo Screen Live, the official pro, the official podcast of the Clan of the Gray Wolf. We love having user interaction from folks just like yourself. So thank you for hanging out. Even if you think I'm crazy and don't know what I'm talking about, or um, if you happen to just think that meandering is fun and uh, you like to see what we have to do. So, all right, folks. Until next time. Kind of like that. Sentence. For Rue. Yeah, for Rue. I am the Commodore. From the Clan of the Grey Wolf, and there is no reset button. Any dream will do. Joseph. Joseph and the Amazing Technical Dreamcoat.com. Donnie Osmond. All right, all right, Cooper. So I got an important question for you. Of all the catnips that you have had, would you say that they are all pretty good? They hold up nowadays, or do you got some some kitty nostalgia glasses with those? What do you think?
Really? Oh. Are you sure? What about Surprising. what what about your uh, your little jingle ball? Does that does that hold up pretty well? Yeah? Yeah, he says that one does. So um so if you if you all, you know, have cats out there and I know you all do, may, just remember jingle balls hold up really well. But the catnip, that's just ephemeral, man. Jingle balls, jingle balls, jingle all the way. Dot com. Thank you.